Welcome to the Motherhood Village Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gonzalez-Cumberbatch, and I know firsthand that it takes a village to raise a child, but most importantly, that it takes a village to uplift a mother. A mother's village is necessary and can take up many forms. Consider this podcast as part of your motherhood village. No matter the season of motherhood you're in, every conversation will give you more tools to add to your parenting toolbox, and you'll feel supported, inspired, and uplifted. So let's get into an informative and empowering conversation. Hello, and welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I'm on with a very special guest. I have Mrs. Sarah Olsher, who is the founder and CEO of the family mental health and wellness company, Mighty and Bright. She is also the author of picture books for kids coping with divorce, cancer, change, and big emotions. Sarah has seen firsthand that the universe can deal some pretty harsh blows. She also helps parents claw their way out of deep, dark holes to create families that don't just survive, but thrive. Sarah, it's so awesome to have you on the podcast. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Me too. Excited to have you. Okay. What is your favorite book or one that you would like to recommend? Um, I think for me, when it comes to like parenting books, uh, it's kind of stressful, I think, for parents. (laughs) Like, I don't know about you, but... You know, before I actually made this my business, I had a stack of like 10 or 15 parenting books high that like super stressed me out because I always thought the solution to me being the best parent I can possibly be is somewhere in those books that I keep (laughs) falling asleep every time I try to read. Um, (laughs) So, you know, when it comes to, to learning things, I think, you know, if there were one thing that I could have prepared prepared better as far as like becoming a parent, it would have been being learning emotional regulation myself Mm. and learning how to calm things down. And I think one of the things that's really cool is now there's like a big movement to teach these things to kids. And as weird as this sounds, I feel like you as a parent can learn a lot just from reading children's books about this with your kids. So that's part of why why I wrote these books was so that it would be easy for parents and kids to learn together. Um, sure. Because I feel like most parents are totally overwhelmed. So and that that makes so yeah, much I sense. I would recommend reading kids' books. Yeah, and I love that because I and I think that does make so much sense because I think I have like maybe 10 books on my nightstand, (laughs) books that I've started, books that I end. I'm in the middle of reading Good Inside by Dr. Becky and I really enjoyed it. But then I get like, so like, to your point, I'm like, but wait, I need to read this because I feel like I want to make, you know, learn things, but then I get overwhelmed and I have to do this. And there is a lot of lessons in the children's books, especially some of the new ones, like you said, that have been really coming out that kind of dive deep. So I love that. Um, so I will put that when we put this podcast out as like a takeaway, like read the kid children's books. I love it. Who I, I always say it takes a village to uplift a mother because I truly believe that. Um, yes, it does to take a, to raise a child, but if mama's not good, no one is. So I think that village, tribe, clan, whatever we call it, um, is necessary. Who and what has been so in, um, uh, instrumental in your motherhood village and your career? Yeah, I think I'm a single mom and my uh, daughter's father and I got a divorce when she was 18 months old. So Mm -hmm. I've been at this by myself for a really long time. 
And I tried to do everything by myself. I was stuck in another state for my parents because that's where um, her dad was. So I tried to do everything by myself for a really long time. And then when I was diagnosed with cancer, my daughter was six. And that was when I realized like, okay, now is the time to like, to call on the village because I tried to do everything myself until I got to the point where I literally couldn't. And so for me, that was a lot of really good girlfriends. Um, You know, when I was diagnosed with cancer, I had friends that were like leaving parfaits and stuff in my fridge without saying anything, like just kind people. Um, And then, you know, my parents too, I, we recently moved to Oregon to be closer to my parents um, because they're so supportive and wonderful and I really couldn't do it without them. No, and I love that point because I think you saying like beforehand, you're like, look, I, I did it all. And then it's unfortunate, but sometimes in motherhood or even in life, we keep pushing ourselves until we can't push anymore. Right. And that's yes. the unfortunate part where we don't seek it out ahead of time. Um, but that's great that you did recognize that for sure to say, OK, wait, no, something has to change. Right. But like you said, you kind of had no choice. It was right. like, wait a minute, I need to create a system. I need to create we need to build this yeah. up because I can't do it alone. Um, going into that, what was that journey and inspiration like into creating Mighty um, and Bright? And why did you create it? And why did you think it was important for families to kind of have this as their village, part of their village? Yeah, I think to to that point of like doing everything by myself, um, you know, my ex-husband is a lot better now, but at the time of our divorce was just difficult. And it was a very, very stressful time. And my daughter was experiencing a lot of stress and anxiety. And I called on um, a village, I suppose. Um, I found a a therapist and I took my two-year-old daughter to a therapist and was like, help? (laughs) Um, Because I had a background in psychology, but I had studied adults. And so this was just like, kids are fascinating. But at the time I had no clue. Um, And so I learned a lot of skills from working with her, um, you know, about validating my daughter's Mm -hmm. emotions, even though she was two, things that I thought she wouldn't be able to understand. It turned out, you know, kids can understand more than they can express. Um, And when the therapist went on vacation, she, she had made this like construction paper calendar. And she was telling me that she needed to show my daughter when we would normally see her and when we were actually going to see her because it can be very stressful for kids to miss a therapy appointment. And I thought at the time, you know, if it's stressful for a kid to miss a weekly therapy appointment, like, and they need to see this visually, why am I not showing her like our co-parenting schedule? Because Mm. that is a lot of transition for a child that doesn't cope very well. So I immediately went home and created the jankiest looking calendar ever. Um, But I showed her when she was going to be with me and when she was going to see her dad and which days were school days. And it completely transformed her anxiety. And I could not believe it. I was like, this is so simple why is nobody talking about this? So I started uh, to think maybe I could help other families. I made Mm -hmm. like a a less janky version, but still sort of janky. And um, 
and it was featured in Pop Sugar Moms, and that was the beginning of wow. Mighty and Bright, was that co-parenting calendar. And I started creating, you know, like different uh, activities so you could really show your kids entire schedule. But the whole thing was focused on divorce. And then when I was diagnosed with cancer, I realized that there's so many things that little kids have to cope with. And, you know, all of them could benefit from seeing that just because of the way that they learn and how they deal with change they could all benefit whether they were going through a major change or something small. So now I have visual calendars for just everyday kids and everyday activities, but also specific to foster families, military families, divorce, kids with cancer, kids with an adult with cancer, autism. Um, And then I have a daily one because routine and sticking to routine is really helpful, especially during times of change. But visually showing that is like a whole different ball game. Like it just is incredible how much safer kids feel when they see their schedule, um, how many questions they stop asking because they can answer them themselves. <laughs> um, yes. It just really makes a big difference in the whole family. So that was kind of the beginning of it were the visual schedules. And then during the pandemic, I realized that families really wanted to help their kids cope with this like horrible trauma that we as a united world experienced, but that there was nobody that had taken the research about what can actually help kids with their mental health and made it something that parents could actually do. So there's lots and lots of parenting books, but again, like, how are we going to read all of this? And so I got a whole advisory board and worked with a child development specialist and we created uh, 11 different tools and these little 24 page power up booklets so that you can use that tool to teach a mental health skill to both you and your kids at the same time. So everybody can, you know, grow together and you only have to be one step ahead of your kids. You know, I think there's a lot of pressure. We have a lot of pressure. We're like, I have to lead this whole family unit. But like, we, you don't, you're, it's all good. I love that. Just to be one step ahead. I have so many questions, but so, so take for instance, like this is in my wheelhouse right now because my son is starting kindergarten. That's a big life transition. It's even, it's it's, it's, uh, specifically big for us in the sense of my little guy has been in his preschool since he's a year and a half. So he'll be starting kindergarten at five and a half. That's four years. Because, you know, some kids, maybe they're like with their parents or they start at like three or four years old. My little guy has been in since a year and a half. It's a very loving school. He knows the same teachers. They give him kisses. My my son is very like structured that way. So I've been trying to slowly get him prepared that, you know, we have graduation and then there's this. So my question to you is like, would a book like that be helpful? Or like, what are things that Mighty and Bright can even help me someone who's kind of in it where no, it's not death or a divorce or something even dealing with something like cancer, but it is a big transition, right? Maybe speak on that. And what would be maybe some advice, someone who's listening, going through another transition like that? And is there items in Mighty and Bright that can help me? Yes, absolutely. Um, Actually, one of my more recent books is called Nothing Stays the Same, but that's Mm -hmm. okay. And it talks about changes, big and small changes, because it doesn't matter whether you are going through a divorce or you're going, you know, kids don't deal well with change. 
So the book kind of goes into what change is and how how it will affect your emotions. Mm-hmm. It talks about overwhelm and coping skills. And so, and it's it's a fun, it's my favorite book. It was really fun to illustrate too, because there's, there's a whole page of beetles writing meatballs and it's just very fun. Oh, nice. um, so yeah, I really recommend that book for anybody that is going through any kind of change, even... Even if it's something small, like my daughter would always have a hard time when it was like spring break or winter break. Like anything where the schedule changes even a little bit can send kids into a tailspin. And so I I always recommend talking about things using books because they're always written in an age appropriate way sure. so that kids can really like understand it. I think a lot of parents are like, I don't know what an age appropriate is. And like my ex-husband was trying to explain something to my daughter the other day and was using words that she didn't understand. And she's like, dad, you're using like way big words. I don't mm-hmm. Like, I think as parents, we're just like, we forget the we things that our kids can understand. Yes, yes, absolutely. We do. We totally overcomplicate. I love books for that reason. Um, so yeah, that's a great book for any kind of change, but then also getting some, you know, whatever's highly rated on Amazon, probably for starting kindergarten. There's tons of books about that and just um, getting some of those from your library and seeing which ones you like the best. Anything that you can do to kind of prepare them for what it's going to be like. Any of those experiences that they usually set up at elementary schools where you can go and meet the teacher ahead of time, see the classroom ahead of time, even visiting the school ahead of time. So you're playing on the playground during the summer, things like that so that they are used to they're getting used to the idea. They're getting used to what it might be like. And so then it's not just like totally new when they experience well, yeah. it for the first time. And I love um, that. And also. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, no, you make a valid point in saying change is change. And I think a lot of times kids don't recognize, they don't understand even, even if it is cancer divorce, it's it's just something that's changing. Their life is now changing. Whatever aspect it is, because they still are young enough to where they don't really understand the true impact of what the divorce really entails, what this really entails, even moving to an, you know, another place. It's just changing from what they're used to know. Because truthfully, I say kids don't care. Like my, If we moved, yeah, it would be a transition. But as long as we're together, like he doesn't really understand the impact. What's what's difficult is that initial change to get from A to B. Once they figure out A to B, I think to your point, and now me even realizing kids that I've been around or even my son and the changes that we've made throughout his five years of life, it's just that initial change and getting through that. Once they're in, they're okay. Yes. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I'm talk I talk about in the nothing stays the same, but that's okay. Book is like, yeah. everything was a change at first, even being an actual human was a change yeah. when you were born <laughs> and now you're yes. used to it. So, yes. so things like that, I think are really helpful things to just explain to kids like, yeah, it might be hard at first. It might be different at first, but pretty soon it just becomes normal. And, I and think- so and to your point, your book sounds like something adults would get with too, because I know a lot of adults who have difficulty with change with, if you go back, maybe because in their childhood, maybe they've had a traumatic thing with a life changing thing or transition in their life that they never worked through. Totally. And it's the unknown. I mean, as humans, we hate the unknown. Yes. We're like, 
whatever is right now is safe, even if it sucks. So I'm just going to stay here. <laughs> I know it's why people stay. I mean, we can have a whole conversation. It's why, and I, and I spoke with someone about this, people stay in those toxic relationships or those over codependent relationships because it's what you know. So the fear actually overrides even the shitty, excuse my language, but the, the, the language, the, the language, the relationship that we're in or the toxic relationship, the toxic job that we know we should have left because the mm-hmm. non of knowing what it is, is more scary. It's more overwhelming. Um, so I love that. So yeah, definitely need to get the book. Um, so thank yeah. you. Why do you think though, it's so important for parents to be so open with their kids, like having a cancer diagnosis, which, you know, I've known people who have, I know that's a very, it's, it's scary, right? It's a lot of things, um, a lot of different thoughts, I'm sure, and things that you had to go through at the time, both physically, mentally, emotionally. But why do you think it is so important for parents to talk about it? I mean, I, I think I know why, but to those listening and that might be going through something, why do you think it's more important for them to share as opposed to be quiet about it and think like, oh, if we don't talk about it, you know, it'll kind of figure itself out on its own. <laughs> yeah, I think a like, honestly, I think a lot of parents are terrified to have the conversation. And so they convince themselves in some way or another that, you know, oh, you know, the kid can't handle it. Or, yes. you know, like we try and like make reasons why we shouldn't have to have the conversation. Um, but the truth is your kids know something is going on and they can like they are so perceptive. It's part of the way that they are built they are constantly on alert for anything that anybody is talking about and they know something is up. And the problem is when you don't talk about it, your kids think it's something that they did wrong. Like from a developmental point of view, the entire world revolves around them. And so from their perspective, if there's something that's wrong, they did it. And so, and, and if you're not talking about it, then they think, I did something and my parents don't want to talk about it. So I can't talk about it. And so instead of having a situation in which you can help guide them through a difficult thing, they are trying to deal with this alone and they're piling on all of these stories to themselves about what could possibly go wrong, what could have been the issue and how it was their fault. So we really don't want our kids to go through these things themselves alone. They're little, they need help, but also we don't want them thinking it's their fault. Every divorce book in the, in the, (laughs) in the world, it seems is always like, you didn't do anything to cause this divorce. You didn't do it. And the reason is because kids often think that they, that it's their fault. Like how many times do your kids say, "Are are you mad at me? It's like, no, I am not mad at you. I know. I am frustrated because the dishwasher <laughs> broke and yes. you know, like yes. it has nothing to do with you. But from a developmental point of view, they think everything is about them. No, for sure. And I, I love that. And to, I guess, pivot to the next part of that is because you did go through a divorce, which is something traumatic and you built the calendar to kind of really help your daughter go through that. For parents listening that may have to have a co-working schedule or all of that, how did you talk your thought? How did you support your daughter through that? What was that like? Yeah, I think the first thing, no matter what the change is, is to just say, like, in a simple way with little words, this is what is happening. So if it's a divorce, for example, you can say, you know, mom and dad or mom and mom or, you know, whoever, whatever your family structure looks like, 
you know, we want us to have a calm home where everybody feels happy and nobody feels super stressed out all the time. And, you know, sometimes grownups don't get along super well. And, you know, we've decided that we're going to live in two different homes because it is, we want everybody to feel less stressed and we can't get along. And that has nothing to do with you. You didn't do anything wrong. You didn't do anything to make this happen. Um, but we've decided that this is what's best for all of us. And that is going to be a big change. This person is going to go and live in this apartment and this is going to happen, you know, in the next week. And you are allowed to have all the feelings. You can be sad. You can be angry. You can feel relieved. All of those things are okay. And you can come to us with any of those feelings and we will help you through it. It's okay if you're mad at us, um, you know but we're going to, sh- we're going to show you what you can expect every day, you know, where, where you're going to be, because we want you to spend time with both of us. So you're going to spend some time at the new house. You're going to spend some time here and we'll have a little calendar for you so you can see when that's happening. And I think the other thing is with these conversations, like you don't have to say all of that at once because exactly. it can be really overwhelming. And I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to like, make sure we say everything. We say it just right. Um, but these are conversations that need to be ongoing, that if you have questions in the future, kid, you can come to us and we can talk about it, or we're going to have to talk about this over and over because your kids are not going to absorb it. Um, so just take the pressure off. Like those are some points. And I have a, a download on my website for how you can talk to kids about divorce or any kind of change. Sure. Um, with just making a list of the things that you want to make sure that you get across and then not putting a ton of pressure on yourself to get through all of them because you have plenty of time. You have the rest of your life to, to talk to your kids about every single aspect. No, and that's true. I mean, I know divorce is a big one, right? I think that's something that's very commonplace um, or even separation. So I'll definitely put that in the show notes um, because it's something that comes up, unfortunately, often more so than not. And I think parents do get scared, but I think it goes back to your initial point, but running from it or not addressing the problem only allows the child to internalize it. Um, I'm also going to make a side note. My little guy keeps coming in the office. So for anyone listening, if you hear me pause or if you even when this goes on YouTube (laughs) and you see, you may see a head because he's like poking me with the Batman umbrella. Um, School's out. (laughs) School's out randomly. So but that's real life, right? That's real life. That is what it is. So um, you were diagnosed with cancer, and I know I mentioned that before. Talk to me um, about that, especially as a single parent. Walk me through that. What was the process of being diagnosed, if you're willing to share that? Um, How did you talk to your daughter? Um, What was the process of going through the treatment? And what was was the difference between Sarah pre-diagnosis and then coming on the other side and post-cancer? Yeah. Um, so at the time I was, I don't share custody with my, my ex-husband anymore, but at the time, um, he had every other weekend with her and I had this doctor's appointment, uh, on a Friday afternoon at 4 PM and my daughter had just gone with her dad and it was supposed to be a a screening for early detection because every woman in my family had had breast cancer. And I had had a breast MRI that was supposed to be like the baseline that they were going to compare all future MRIs to. 
And they were like, oh, you know, we saw something sort of weird. We want to look at it a little bit more closely. And so I was having this like ultrasound um, at 4 p.m. on a Friday afternoon. Yeah. And uh, it turned out it was cancer. And um, so I'm laying there on this table with this radiologist and and I said, you know, am I going to have to have a biopsy? Like, what are you seeing? And he's like, do you want me to be frank? And I was like, yeah. And he said, what I'm seeing can be nothing other than cancer. And it takes up a huge amount of your breast and we're going to have to remove your breast. And I was like, I was shocked and the doctor, I mean, I hope he's learned since then, but he said, I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking you're going to die. And I was like, actually, I was not thinking that. Thank you. Now I am. Now all I can picture is my daughter's tear stained face at my my funeral. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, I went home from that appointment and I was alone, completely alone. And I called my mom and I said, I have cancer. And mm-hmm. my dad got on the line and was like, I'm sorry, what? And I said, I have cancer. And I think my mom must have like driven 150 miles an hour because she was at my house the next day oh um, from another state. And, uh, I remember crying to her and just saying, I just really don't want this to be as hard as my divorce because my divorce went on for like four years and it was so traumatic and already it was worse. And I just was like, this is, can I just catch a break for the, um, and so, uh, I think Before I talked to my daughter about exactly what was going on, I wanted to get some more information because they told me that it was early stage. And so I had a doctor's appointment the next week and they were like, this is the plan. We're going to do, we're going to do surgery to remove your breasts. And I was like, take both of them, please. Um, We just kind of got like a game plan as far as what was going to happen. And I was looking for books because I thought I want to explain the science of cancer to my six-year-old because I want her to understand from a real perspective what's going on. Because I think a lot of the time I know now from studying kids, like they can really understand a lot, but a lot of the books were like sugarcoating it or putting like weird analogies to it um, that were actually kind of scary Um, and you know, not just talking about hair loss, which I didn't think I was going to have. So, um, they were just totally unhelpful. And so I basically sat her down and I said, have you ever heard the word cancer? Mm -hmm. And she said, I think I heard it, but I don't know what it means. (laughs) And I said, okay, so I'm going to explain the way the body works. And, you know, our bodies are made up of these tiny little things called cells (laughs) And they're like Legos, like our whole body is built of these little cells and each one has a job and they're really cool because something that they can do is make a new one anytime they want. And so it's like building and building and never running out of blocks. But sometimes a broken one gets made and most of the time our body can get rid of the broken ones. But every once in a while, the broken one doesn't get, you know, taken care of by our body and it just 
keeps making more broken cells because that's all it knows what to do. It doesn't remember what its job was supposed to be. And that can be a problem for the body because those that clump of cells can make it hard for the other cells to do their jobs. And that, that clump of cells is called cancer. And so if we find cancer in the body, we want to get rid of it because we want our body parts to be able to do their jobs. And sure. so I found that I have a little clump of cancer in my breast. And so I have to go to the doctor and have that taken out. And she's like, are you going to die? Mm. And I thought that was really interesting because out of all of that, never, out <laughs> yeah. of all of that, that was what she came up with. And I said, yeah. no, I'm not. And I said, but I want you to understand that the word cancer can mean a lot of different things and that some people with cancer do die. Mm. And so when people find out that I have cancer, they're going to have a strong reaction mm. and they're going to have a strong reaction because they don't know what kind of cancer I have. And so I don't want you to get scared when you see other people's reactions because you and I have talked about this and you know what kind of cancer I have. Yeah. And she said, okay. And I thought, now what? So she goes into the other room and she says to my mom, mommy told me. And she said, what did mommy tell you? And she said, mommy told me she has a thing and I don't remember what it's called, but she's going to be okay, but she's not going to have any boobies anymore. <laughs> and looking back, like I gave such an eloquent speech to her. How did she not remember? <laughs> And again, that kind of goes back to like, we have to have these sure. conversations over and over again. And, yes, and so yes. but that, that description of what cancer was, was really helpful because in the future, when I had my breasts removed, they found out it was in my lymph nodes. So I did indeed have to have chemo. And so then I could say to her, remember how we talked about how that little clump of cells can like actually, like they can pack up and move to a different part of your body. You know, and sometimes you have to have medicine, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so, you know, I could build on that conversation later. And that that description is what led to me writing my first children's book, because I couldn't believe that there was nothing out there that explained yeah. what is actually going on in the body, because it's not scary when you understand, like, what's going on. Sure. It becomes scary when we turn it into this whole like other thing. Like I was talking to a mom whose son had a brain tumor and the book that the hospital gave them to explain what a brain tumor was, was talking about a brainstorm. And then her son was like confused about what a brainstorm was. And then every time there was going to be like thunder and lightning, he got scared he was going to get cancer again. And I'm just like, if we could just explain what the heck is actually going on, <laughs> then it's not so confusing you know, they can get it. They can understand what's happening. No. And I, I yeah. And yeah, <laughs> like I have so much to unpack there and I guess I'll try and keep it as high level as can be. Cause I'm like, you know, to be able to break that down, I am, I, I imagine God forbid it, but having a conversation with my son and him, his answer rebuttal and you saying, and I'm not going to die him being like, well, how do you know, you know, and then to your mm -hmm. point, going back to saying, well, because the type of cancer I have X, Y, Z, right. Um, so I, I love that. And um, for anyone listening, you know, there's so much value in that and what you just shared of being able to take that because unfortunately we have, we do have the fear aspect of it. Right. But even again, going back to, like you said, for the adults, not knowing and the fear 
with your fif- the fearfulness of that as opposed to being like, okay, well, let's break this down to the science. Let's take it step by step. What is the kind of cancer? Like really break it down before you go from zero to 100, right? It sounds like, right, before I go to zero for 100, let me understand this. What kind of cancer? What is this? What is that? Before, you know, even though when we hear the, like you said, in telling her, when people hear this, they're going to have a visceral reaction to it because of that's just, you know, it is what it is. Now, what is pre-Sarah like and post-Sarah? I think pre-Sarah wanted to do everything by herself. (laughs) Um, uh, And she also, uh, you know, it's funny. I I will like look at pictures of myself and I'm like, I don't even recognize that person. Like Mm -hmm. it honestly feels like a completely different person. Um, I'm a lot more mature now. um, And a lot, I protect myself, um, like protect my energy more I think I used to say yes to everything Mm -hmm. and I used to work a lot more than I did. I felt guilty a lot more, um, you know, trying to do everything really well. So like I had a full-time job and I wanted to show up and be like the absolute best person at my full-time job. I'm a single mom. I want to show up and be the absolute best mom I can possibly be. And I wanted to do all of it. And the issue is like, you can't give a hundred percent to every single thing in your life. There's only a hundred percent like of everything. And so you have to split that pie. Otherwise you are literally going to make yourself sick. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's part of why, you know, I think post-cancer, I would take less money from a job if it meant I could pick my daughter up from school, you know, um, these are the things I couldn't get back. This is the time I can't get back. So I more think appreciative, just, more right. reflective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And prioritizing the things that I actually really like to do. And, you know, that's not saying that, oh, every day is sparkles and sunshine. And now I really appreciate every single moment that I could play Barbies with my daughter for seven hours. Like I'm a human who doesn't like playing Barbies. Okay. And so (laughs) I look at it now of like, I don't want to do things I don't want to do. And so what can we do together that we're both going to enjoy? And, you know, like life is short. So why are we not living it in a way that we're all happy with? And, and the guilt I used to have about like, I don't spend every single second with my daughter and then I could die at any second. Why don't I spend every single second mm-hmm. with my daughter um, to realize she's okay. Yeah. You know, she's okay. And all, and she's learning. I'm an actual human who doesn't always like doing the same thing she wants to do, but we can compromise together and do things that we both like to do. And our relationship is so wonderful. She's 12 now. She's super awesome. I love hanging out with her. There's no more Barbies. Um <laughs> You know, uh, I, I just, I think I'm just more well-rounded than I was before. No, that's such a beautiful introspection and introspective of it. But I think it's so poignant in what you said. And I, it, it's something I tend to come back to with my son and have to remind myself. Um, and again, in having so many conversations with wonderful people like you, I tell you this all the time. If no one ever listens to my podcast, like the amount of value I get from having these conversations is like paying for my own therapy. Like it's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's um, so true. But, um, but it, I, 
because I think about that. Like today, my son wanted to play chess. We have this like beginner's chess thing. One side is like helps you move and the other side doesn't. And he had played it with my husband, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks ago and had done really well. So he's like, mommy, do you want to play chess? And I was like, not really. And at first, like I kind of saw his face and I felt bad. And then I was like, do you want to play Uno? Do you want to play this? All that. He was like, no. And then he's like, can we please play chess? And I said, you know, I really don't want to. I said, but we can do it this one time. But it did make me think. I'm like, I'm glad at first initially said no. And there are times that I've stuck with it because to your point, I don't also want him to think the people pleasing or that he has to do something because someone else wants you. It's like, it's okay to say no. I still love you. doesn't change how I feel about you. I still like to hang out with you. But at this moment, no, I really don't want to play chess. But at the same time, I think parents take offense when their kids maybe are like this. It's like, but we're human right? Like kids are allowed to have the opinions. He's five. He's allowed to say no, mommy. And I can't feel like, what do you mean? No, like, no, it's okay. Right. It's perfectly fine. So I love how you brought that part up. And there's so much more with the process. But I think in saying that and being like, it's okay to say, I'm not this, that, and you, you grow from there. They're little people that I feel our job is just to help them kind of be the little birdie that we kind of guide and then they just go on their own right to some capacity Mm -hmm. and truthfully in order for them to be the way we want them to be in the world whether that's resilient to you know to be all the things of living on their own it has to start from the five from from babies and we have to start modeling it now and not doing it to where no you have to do as i say all these things but then you're controlling where they go how they come don't give them any sort of independence because you want to control it or you know you don't have to patience for it and then they're 25 years old and they have no clue how to live on their own or do anything for themselves like there really is or they something expect there. everybody to they exactly. expect everybody to do what they want to do all the time and like what and, they like. absolutely right exactly exactly i think it's it's cool because it's like when we're allowed to exist as whole humans in all yes. of our relationships we are modeling for our kids how to be a whole human and it's it really is beautiful and you know i used to get kind of like sad thinking about oh you know she's growing up and she's gonna like leave and i'm gonna be an empty nester and oh how is she in seventh grade (laughs) and now i'm like you know what though every single step that she takes yeah she's so cool and and i'm excited about the future because you know you get to relate to your kids on different levels and it's they they're really i mean it's every stage is different and every stage can be better than the last it's it's perspective right i think it's all in our perspective and helping them understand that perspective as well i try and be more mindful of that as well i mean my son always jokes he's like you know i'm still gonna be your baby and i'm like no i know i said but baby you will grow up and you will be a grown man living on your own doing your own thing and mommy will be proud even though like my mind i'm like but i'm gonna be crying but to your point (laughs) but but to your point it's like but no right like he has to understand that and say no this is this is why we're doing what we're doing so that they can be self-sufficient happy kind human beings so as we wind yes. down here, why don't you tell my listeners, even I'll put in the show notes, how they can work with you, where they can find you, where they can get your books. I definitely will be ordering one. Um, I, and I even find a way to collaborate or something because I have so many moms in my support groups, new moms, moms that have transitioned yeah. from moving. So I definitely, as you're talking, I'm like, yes. Um, but how can people connect with you? And then actually also answer, now that you are in this in this. Um, you're so aware. There's a lot of self-awareness there and a lot of thing. And I know a lot of that comes speaking of someone who was divorced at a young age. I went through, it was traumatic, right? That was a very codependent relationship 
we were young. Um, so I had to mature very fast. That was a big thing. I think I was like 24, 25 to go through that. Um, so I, you and I are very similar in like of how kind of we view things. And I've had that for a very long time. What do you do to release? What do you do to reset? What do you do to recharge for yourself to make sure? I know you said you protect your energy and all of that, but what do you do to really make sure that you're at your best? Um, I don't feel guilty. And mm. I think that when I would feel guilty about anything, I would feel guilty no matter what I was doing. If I was yeah. laying on the couch, I would feel yes. like, mm, shouldn't be laying here, <laughs> feel guilty about that. I should be doing this, 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 and this. If I were at work, I'd feel guilty. Oh, I should be doing this with my daughter. You know, all the things. Yes. When I stopped feeling guilty and realizing, actually, everybody's okay. <laughs> everybody's okay. Everybody's the world doesn't okay. stop. Yes. The yes. world, like just when I stopped having the room for guilt, it was a lot less energy I was spending doing that. Um, so if I want, if I'm tired, I take a nap. If I am tired and don't want to take a nap, I watch Netflix. I scroll on TikTok. And when I'm doing those things, I don't feel bad. Um, I take I take baths with Epsom salts. I take nice. walks. I pet my cats. Um, I do all of these things and I don't feel guilty about it. And that has been uh, a game changer. Sure. I love it. I love yeah. it. So, uh, so share um, how people can, how moms, families can connect with you. I'm sure even some dads, like I know a lot of this is mom space, but just made me think about it because <clears throat> someone's connecting me with a single dad who's starting a podcast for dads. I'm like, oh my God, I love that because like my husband's oh, like very like supportive and, and all these things. And I'm like, goodness gracious. I'm like, you know, fathers don't really get a, you know, they don't have space either. And it's just as important. But anyway, yeah. how can Agreed. families, men, women, moms, dads connect with you and then, um, <laughs> What are your final thoughts to the Motherhood Village podcast community? Yeah, you can find me at mightyandbright.com. Um, so all of my books and the mental health skills and the visual schedules, all of that is there. Um, all of the books are also available on Amazon. Um, some of them are also available in Spanish on Amazon. Um, and then I'm on Instagram and TikTok at Mighty and Bright Co. And I guess final thoughts would be just, you got this. Like, don't, don't add overwhelm. Don't add guilt. Like you're, if you care enough to be listening to this podcast, you're doing a great job yeah. and you can raise resilient kids. It doesn't have to be super complicated. Um, you got, it. it's going to be okay. I love it. Thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on, for sharing your truth, um, your honesty, your openness, and continued blessings to you for love and light. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this impactful episode of the Motherhood Village podcast. Subscribe to my show so you'll never miss a future episode. You may also rate and review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with someone that can use it as part of their Motherhood Village. Remember, your village can take up many forms and you do not have to do it alone. Connect with me at themotherhoodvillage.com. Blessings to you for love and light.